after this stage, he said to an Italian journalist, I love the mountains, but the exertion fills me with a deep hatred. So I try to shorten the suffering. Hey, podcast listener, you're listening to the Semi-Pro Cycling Podcast, the weekly podcast where we discuss all the issues that cyclists talk about. Whether you're out training, commuting, or just riding around, sit down and listen in, because we're about to begin. I got something to say, man. Yo, welcome to episode 49 of the Semi-Pro Cycling Podcast, where we believe that only a semi-pro cyclist rides for love and not money. If you stick around to the end, I'll fill you in on the quote from the top of the show and let you know who Phil's talking about. Hey there, semi-pros. My name is Damien Roos. I'm the founder of Semi-Pro Cycling, home of the Semi-Pro Cyclist. And a couple of quick reviews again this week. Thank you so much for rolling them in. It really does mean the world to me. And the first one, awesome podcast, five stars from Biker Nate in the US. Topics are things that I use and integrate into my rides and races. Great podcast. Thank you very much, Biker Nate. Number two, really great and varied topics, five stars, Inline Tom from the US. Covers both a little bit of pro racing, which can date older casts, and really good training and equipment topics. Does not dumb down information for beginners like some other casts, and covers it in enough depth that even experienced riders can still gain something. Wow, that is a cool review. Thank you very much, Inline Tom. And a reminder to you, if you do like the show, please take some time out to drop a review in there because five stars rock the Casbah. Thank you very much. Now, the news this week and the Tour de Suisse. The Tour de Suisse, all I can say is I'm not really getting into it. I haven't been able to watch it, which is a bit of a bummer because from the photos... It just looks beautiful, and I have been to Switzerland. It is a crazy, beautiful place, and the weather has been fine, and they've been rolling around this country. The racing has been interesting from what I've been reading, but nothing groundbreaking. The winner in the end, Rui Costa, wrapped it up, title defense, which is pretty exciting, and doing it all in the time trial in the last stage. It's pretty cool that Movistar has come away with the win, especially after their Giro, where they won lots of stages, and it really goes to show that aren't just pack filler, they're really, really having a go. And I've got to say, definitely some highlights, Matthias Frank, the Swiss rider, is definitely one to watch for the future. He slipped a fifth overall in the GC, which really isn't too bad because it's only about two minutes behind Costa. I've got to say, though... Swiss cycling has got to be totally stoked that there's someone else there to pick up when Cancellara isn't racing. It must be pretty exciting for them. Also, a couple of other GC highlights that I thought were exciting. TJ Van Garderen, seventh. He dropped down from third, I think it was, in the final time trial. What does this show? It shows his form may have dropped or it shows he just doesn't have it when it comes to backing up to backing up. So we'll see what happens in the tour. And hopefully he's got enough in the mountains just to protect Cadel when it comes down to it, which will be definitely something very new. If they're going to have Frank and Van Garderen in the team, Cadel won't know what to do, except there was that one picture that I saw someone pushing him along while he was pissing, which... I think is just a classic, classic role for a domestic. Watching your teammate piss while you're pushing them along has got to be one of the lowlights of being a domestic and doing your time. But number eight on the GC, Dan Martin, pretty impressive stuff. I really like Dan Martin. He is a humble rider, and it's great to see him producing this result in a nine-day tour. And, of course, I can't go past number 10, Cam Meyer, which was just announced that he is riding his first Tour de France this year for 
Orica Green Edge can by a solid, solid effort. Three minutes 44 behind, wearing the yellow, winning the prologue. Awesome, awesome stuff from this young cat. I hope he comes through in the tour and makes it into some breakaways and gets some high mountains action, which will definitely lead him into the future. But speaking of the tour, all of the teams are starting to be announced. It's pretty exciting stuff. All the big guns are in there at this stage, well, except for Wiggins, but it's really, really amping up now. We're getting so close. I'm personally getting close to my trip to France, which I am super stoked for. I'm just about to start tapering for the big ride, so I'm actually pretty pumped to get into the big mountains and see what I can do, but more of that later. Alrighty, let's get to the nuts and bolts for this week, making the grade six ways to survive being upgraded. When it comes to the racing cyclist, moving upgrades or changing categories are inevitable in our sport. And whether it is from C to B, four to three, open to veteran, the adjustment can be brutal, motivation sapping, and just plain not fun. Well, definitely at the beginning of your transition, but I've been there, age category changes, C to B to A. It's something that you should definitely prepare for. It's also when you should be reassessing your goals and motivation, it's a big part of the adjustment to set your mind frame going into these things as well. A jump like under 23s to open or even cat three to cat two is a shock to the system. So to smooth out the transition, I've got six ways listed here to help you survive being upgraded. It's not the same as when you first start out and everything is new to you. As a new racer, you're not only slow, but you're just not the smartest rider on the bike. You miss a lot of important race craft that is very important for the success of racing. This time, it's different though. You've got more racing experience, your race fitness is better, you have a better idea of your strengths, and most likely, you know what it takes to win in the grade you're in currently. But it should be easy, right? Like, it should be easy transition because that's the way you're going. You've probably done it once or twice before, depending on what grade you are actually in. And also, accounting for the fact that most grades have so many sandbaggers that you actually have to be better than the bottom half of the grade you're going into to get into that grade in the first place. Even all considering that, I think there are certain issues that crop up when you're just making the change. And if none of these has popped up, I really want to meet you. I want to talk to you about how you made the transition because for me and for the majority of riders that I talk to, they really do find some degree of problem. They definitely have problems they come across when they find themselves in the new grade. Success is all about confidence and how you look at the new grade. That's the way that I picture this, and that's the way that has helped me in the past make the transition. The first question to ask, though, is how did you move into the higher grade? Did you pick yourself, or was it an automatic regulation? This can play a part in setting the tone for the first few races and everything else that follows from that moment onwards. I've self-selected and moved upgrades through the grading system, or a handicapper, but Again, this comes down to your goals and understanding why you're in a certain grade or want to be in a certain grade. I actually once upgraded too early because I wanted to race with the big boys and I thought I was wasting my time in lower grades. And I've got to say, after some initial racing where I did get some top 10s, 
which was probably driven by adrenaline because after that, I always found myself out the hoop, not finishing races, and it was a massive blow to my ego and my motivation. So I was getting my ass handed to me week in, week out. That was a tough season to say the least, but I definitely learned a lot, including staying within the system is sometimes a good thing. But also, check your ego before you fast track yourself before you're ready. So when do you know you're ready? I've got to say, it's when you've proven to yourself that the lower grade isn't stretching you enough or that you're overconfident going into races because if the nerves have disappeared and you're not afraid of the imminent pain, you're not pushing yourself hard enough. You've got to go to the start line a little nervous and a little underprepared when it comes to the fitness in order to stretch yourself to get the most out of training races especially. I've been regulated upwards also by handicappers. When you get, uh, we'll uh, see how you go. When that comes out of a handicapper's mouth, after requesting a rethink of the grade you're in, you definitely know you're in for a hard time. And by the way, the pain will definitely continue if you hear this after the race. You didn't disgrace yourself, you know. Reflecting on those two scenarios, how I looked at it, my ego was larger than my fitness in the first one, meaning when it got tough in the race, I had nothing to call on to get me through compared to the next season where I put myself back down and went up systematically. I won three or four races. I got put through the system and then placed in the higher grade when I was physically ready, which also meant I was much more mentally ready as well. I was in a better place physically and mentally. And having a few cheap wins under my belt did wonders for motivation and confidence. It also, for you maybe, it'll give your season a sense of accomplishment rather than a couple of hard-fought top 20s, which really doesn't stand out too much unless you've got your eye on the prize and you're moving somewhere. So this is really where it comes down to why you want to be in that grade in the first place and can you put up with the slow progress once you start getting higher and higher. But I will say this from the start, the total reality of it is, like everything in cycling training, there is no magic. There's no way that I can help you hang on any better once a hitter puts you into the gutter. I will say this though, if you are in line for an upgrade towards the end of the season, I would definitely take it. Rather than waiting the entire off-season before being crushed, it will definitely give you an idea of the fitness and the skills that are needed to complete, which is great fuel going into an off-season so you can come out firing in the first couple of races of the next season. So when you do step up, what to expect? Well, in simple terms, an upgrade means larger pelotons, more aggressiveness, faster pace, better tactics, and better organized teams. Races are longer and harder, and it's not the course that makes a race hard as much as the competition, and each level has a higher quality of rider. And you're also going from top dog to small hog. So you're moving from being a big gun where you can dictate and control races to where basically anybody in front of you can just dictate whether it's through fitness or tactics because they're more experienced and they probably know just enough more than you to hurt you when it really counts. It's really like any area in life. It comes down to really understanding when you make the jump that you're going to be at the bottom of the next grade. I know I'm not spilling out anything that you probably haven't thought about before, but it's all about paying your dues at this point and adjusting to the new level that you've just attained. And as I said, there is no 
magic when it comes to this stuff. It's all pretty simple. It requires patience and hard work. And don't forget that you made the jump to get there, so you must be doing something right. So that can build some confidence into your approach. Keep doing the same things and have patience in that time. Your fitness will improve. You will learn the new level of competition and ultimately will have success. I know that feeling of watching the race winner from half a lap down in a criterium, you know, I'm at my limit, I'm not even able to keep up when the hammer goes down, and I'm just baffled at how to get there. But trust me, and to quote Dan Andrews, even though moving up in your grade is tough, it will still be shorter than you think, but longer than you can stand. And with that, let's move into the six ways to survive being upgraded. Number one, watching the good riders, putting yourself in a position to do well, even if you don't finish the race. Sitting at the back of the race won't give you the exposure to the tactics or the experience needed to be competitive in that grade. It's the little things like knowing how to act in a breakaway or even how to exit the bunch when the pace is too hot for you that takes time to develop, but you're not going to learn by just watching the people at the front of the race ride away from you. In my opinion, it is much better to put yourself into those positions so you can learn them by doing. Number two, being aggressive. Walking the fine line between aggression and not being that rider, the jerk that always leaves gaps, fights at the wrong time, makes enemies by riding dirty. Don't let your insecurity get in the way of good sportsmanship. You need to start creating allies, and this can be built on respect. And if it's not respect for your class, then make it about courage, determination, and not being a wanker. You have to realize that to be successful, you have to make it happen. As the red carpet to victory doesn't just roll out for you, it's a fight and a struggle every single time you line up on the bike. But good things do come to those who are aggressive versus just sitting in the group. And I've definitely got to say, if these are training races, the training hard is going to make you fitter. It definitely, like I said before, put you in situations that will teach you what it takes to win. Number three, make a race within a race. Remember that it's not about making crazy moves to come in 28th on the race. It's more about gauging how you're tracking. Race data and numbers and training can only tell you so much if your ultimate goal is to do well at riding. So beating a close rival is satisfying, especially if they've had it over you for a while. So picking someone out in the bunch that just beats you is definitely one way. Put a target on their back and make sure you beat them. Again, don't be a wanker about it. Don't chop them. Don't cut them off. Don't just make it about your absolute class. Sometimes tactics can come into it, but just make it about the fitness that you have and putting it on the line. And that is where you're going to get respect from them and the other riders. Number four, change disciplines. Now, I'm only saying this because it worked for me as a bit of a refresher because if you're really finding the adjustment hard like I did and I had no options, so I had no way of backing out and what I did, I just refreshed my discipline to break it up. I shifted from road to short track MTB but it could be from road to cyclocross or any crossover at all that may give you a mental break while you're still working on your form. It may seem like a cop-out, but if you don't have any room to move in your current grade, consider it a vacation rather than changing workplaces. After all, racing is meant to be fun, isn't it? Number five, 
Start training with the people in your grade. You may already do this, but hunting down the good guys and asking to join their group rides is going to be a long way in working out what makes a successful rider physically and mentally. It's definitely a little tricky because cycling is clicky. Oh, I like that little rhyme. But as far as how you do this, probably the best way is to figure out a big popular shop ride that everybody goes on and slowly working your way up the bunch until you can take turns at the front of the bunch and you're going to forge respect that way. People are going to see that you have the ability and you want to be at the front working hard and you're not just at the back and not even pulling a turn. So working your way up and then slowly getting in a group that way is probably one of the best ways, especially if there is a bunch ride at the start, then there's a coffee shop break, and then there's select groups that go out for more training afterwards. Getting in with certain groups at the coffee shop is definitely going to be a ticket to getting yourself into the extra bit of training with them. And while we are on training, should your training change? As soon as you move up, should your training change? Well, the higher level you achieve, really the harder it gets to succeed. When you first start, it's quite easy to move up and to get better and improve. And these increments, just like training, are going to get smaller and smaller over time. So you may have to change your training at some point. If you really want to move up the ladder, it's a battle and you need to adjust your program and training and this should be part of your plan to achieve your goals in the first place so you have to reset all your adjustments like I said at the start of this show. So number six, upgrade your training environment. So for the majority of riders, our environment is not physically limited to us. This is a really important concept to grasp that most athletes If they're executive athletes or semi-pros, they're limited by what they can do in training and racing due to family, life, jobs, and all of that other stuff. And you have to take this into consideration when you do make the upgrade because you can adjust those elements if you want to put more effort and time into training. If you are into this stuff, I would definitely check out episode 19 of the Semi-Pro Cycling Podcast. It's about five ways to optimize your life for more riding time. And this is exactly what I'm talking about with training and Environment. And if it really does mean so much to you, then adjusting other things in your life and reducing the responsibility you have to those can definitely mean more training for you and hopefully better results after that. So hopefully that's going to give you a good idea of where to start and everybody that's moving up grades, get in contact and let me know how you get on with the grade changes because it's definitely one of those things that it's an exciting time, but it can also make or break the love of cycling. So you've got to be careful when you do change. So the tech hacks and products section, a fairly simple one, but it's a fun one this week. It is more of a hack slash product. It's the bikecalculator.com. I don't know if you've actually checked out the bike calculator before, but it's a performance prediction calculator where you can throw in a whole bunch of parameters and you can actually compute your speed or power for all different important parameters such as weight, grade, position, and tire type. It'll tell you based on different changes that you make how much faster or slower in theory you will actually be because of these changes. So anything from 
the difference between riding on the hoods to riding on the drops, the difference to losing a kilo, the difference to increasing one kilometer of speed. You can play around with all of these variables and it spits out based on an engineering model that actually works within the relationships between power, speed and three major forces, gravity, wind resistance and rolling resistance. It's really fun to play around with and I would get on it if you're curious about certain parameters and if you change them slightly. I think weight is the most interesting one when it comes to making any changes on this though. Also, I just wanted to make a quick note about the DC Rainmaker has re-reviewed the Stages Power Meter. I don't know if you are aware of the Stages Power Meter. You probably came across your radar in the last six to eight months or so. It's nearly 12 months since it was released, but when DC Rainmaker first reviewed it, and he does very thorough reviews, he first reviewed it, it was not favorable towards the power meter. He has re-reviewed, which apparently is his second time only that he's ever reviewed something, and he's given it the green light. This is very good news for stages because of the actual power that DC Rainmaker has, but it's also good news for us as riders that are considering this as an option. I was actually considering this back last year because of the Bluetooth capability as well as the ease of setup. So let's see, I may purchase one of these. It's getting very interesting and with the software updates that have been made to the power meter, it seems like it really is a reliable option. Now, let's get to that quote from the top of the show. It's Phil Liggett talking about Marco Pantani. And regardless of all his troubles, the pirate was a joy to watch. His predictable yet aggressive style is something missing in today's peloton. Attacking with 10 kilometers to go, no problem. And this clip is from a mini doco on Pantani and the Tour de France. It's definitely well worth checking out in the lead-up to the Grand Bull. I've got the link in the show notes. It's a three-part series running about 45 minutes. It's super interesting. And if you don't know who Pantani is, I would definitely get on this. But that's it for this week. Till next week, get on your bike and enjoy the pain cave or the hurt box, whichever one you're into. Accélération maintenant. Là, c'est important parce que pour les grands. De Polt, c'est Hugo Polt, ça peut être que lui dans l'équipe télécom du Grand Club. Ça, Pantani est bien également. The story of Pantani and the Tour de France went back to 1994 when the 24-year-old from Cesena made a nuisance of himself charging up and down the mountains, his favorite terrain. Oui, c'est fait pour Pantani. Marco Pantani, extraordinaire grimpeur. Pantani was a natural-born climber, small, thin, and wiry. On the climb to the ski resort of Otakam near Lourdes, Pantani attacked, 11 kilometers from the finish. He was chased by Miguel Indurain, who was leading the general classification and who was also wanting to take more time out of his nearest rival, Tony Rominger. It would be a tough introduction to the tour for Pantani.